Welcome to episode 44 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor. I'm joined by Matt and Andrew today. And for the first time in a while, we have some games to recap. We finally saw the Huskies in action this week on Monday. They played NAU, the banner night, and on the other banner night, which is kind of silly. We could talk about that in a little bit, too. They beat Stonehill by 40. So we're just going to talk about the guys, like the rotations, obviously, who did well, who we liked, who we didn't like. There's not much to not like in these two games, but I'm sure we can nitpick it a little bit. And you guys just want to get us kicked off? Yeah, I'll I'll definitely get us kicked off. And I'm definitely going to start with a positive. Um, Klingon for for being hurt, question mark, looks really good. Like his footwork, I mean, you know, it's it's Stonehill and and NAU. So it's not the the good the good centers will be going against like uh Baycott and Hunter Dickinson and Kalkbrunner in the rest of the season. But his footwork looks really good, way better than last year. Because I felt like last year he was kind of like leaning into shots a little bit and like he was trying to power his way through. And now he's like actually like using his footwork to get the defender away from him. So for for being hurt, especially a foot ankle injury, his his footwork looked really good. But I wasn't expecting him to really go off. And as we were watching that Stonehill game, I remember Connor said that he could have gone for 80 if he wanted to. So his he's just he's looking a lot better this year with his footwork. He looks more confident because I feel like last year national championship game he wasn't very confident in himself but he looks he looks a lot better to start the year so far this year I have to agree 100% even with the injury he looks it's like night and day he's a different player from last year he just looks so much more confident as well he isn't afraid anymore to kind of go up strong under the basket he's his awareness has definitely improved they got him under the hoop and had him do some mikings because he looks great under the rim his touch has been much better than last year, and he's going up strong. Uh, nobody's really stopping him. He's being aggressive. You love to see it from Klingon. Yeah, I agree. You certainly love to see it, but at the same time, everyone who was guarding him the past two games don't even go up to his shoulder. So it's going to, against Indiana a week from today, I guess a week, six days from now when you're seeing this, they have a front line, six, eight, six, nine, seven foot. So that's going to be the real first true test. I'm not. I'm not saying he won't do well, but I feel like, He's getting all these – I said he could go for 80 because they're giving it to him. He's just turning and laying it in. There's no contest. And if you foul him, he kind of struggles with the line, but he'll make his free throws. But, yeah, he only played, what, 15 minutes each game and still put up double figures each time, which we're not surprised based off his uh, production in low minutes last year. But, obviously, in the first game, we'll, we'll go a little, little game by game here. We'll start with NAU. Alex Caravan had a career-high 22 points. He really looks like a different player. Last year, he's the guy that just stays on the perimeter. You got Jackson and Newton finding him for open threes. This year, he's obviously still taking his threes, but he's getting inside, driving to the hoop, in contact, finishing down low. I mean, he's kind of a true power forward more this year, especially I feel like Klingon being down there. So if Caravan misses, he Klingon just clean up his miss. He did that a lot too, our offense it felt like at times was throw up a jump shot. If it misses, he's putting it back, Klingon. So, yeah, Caravan, he definitely improved in my eyes. I'm really excited to see him this year. Definitely agree. He was a guy last year that we gave a lot of slack to uh, for not being aggressive, kind of being, you know, just the guy who did sit around the three-point line and wait for his shot. He wouldn't go out and get the ball. He wouldn't go take his shot. And even – on defense around the rim he wouldn't be aggressive for rebounds I mean that's entirely changed he's kind of remembered now that he is six eight and he does have a ton of intangibles and skills that he can use he is lights out from beyond the line he is probably our best shooter debatably I would say 
uh, him or Newton. I, I would probably go Caravan though if it was <laughs> if it was up to me. But I, I definitely think that Caravan learned a lot last year, especially from the guys that he was playing with. And who knows, maybe at the end of this year, he could find himself in the NBA draft. I mean, I think Hurley definitely had a talk with him at the end of last season. You know, obviously, beginning of this season, you know, getting getting into college basketball, he didn't necessarily play um, a lot. Well, he did. He was redshirt, so it was kind of weird. But he didn't really play his first real game until past the non-con because he really wasn't effective until really the um, the PK Invitational. And even as the season went on last year, you know, he – he became more and more like uh, the player we wanted him to be. And he I feel like he realized that he's obviously a very good shooter, but he can do a lot more things like the cut to the basket and the, the slam. I'm thinking of a specific moment. I forget who the pass was from. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure Hurley had the conversation with him to just step it up because, you know, we've got Cam Spencer now. And although he hasn't looked fantastic so far in the first two games against what, like bottom 250 schools in the country, you know, Caravan's going to have to take that next step because he's going to start every single game. And we can't have him just sitting in the corner or sitting on the outside. So he's he's definitely going to take that next step. And I don't know about NBA draft this year, but for sure next year. Yeah, you mentioned against these bottom teams. I'm, I can't wait to tell you about Mississippi Valley State on Tuesday. It's going to be it's going to be a very interesting game. But I agree. I, obviously, last year, Caravan, he led the team in minutes, total minutes played. And I feel like he'll certainly do that again this year. We don't really have a true backup four. We have guys like Jaden Ross who could slide in down there, Jalen Stewart. If you want to go Samson and Klingon at the same time, Samson could obviously play some four. But he's really going to be out there in, in the big games, probably 33, 34 minutes. And I feel like he's certainly more than capable of doing that. And obviously he's producing. He's also rebounding the basketball well. He had seven rebounds in each of the games. Like Matt mentioned, we kind of got him, got on him last year for not – being that aggressive guy going for the boards, going for loose balls. But, yeah, he really impressed. Another guy that impressed me, I feel like we all knew he had the potential, but Stefan Castle, I mean, just the athleticism. He's a 6'6 guard. He's, the jump shot's not fully there, but the playmaking, the defense. Defense is a little shaky for my liking. He kind of got blown by a couple of times in that first game, but that'll come. It's his first college game. But I'm, I, keep on, I keep on saying excited, excited, excited. I'm really, really excited for Stefan Castle this year, especially against in games that really matter. He definitely needs to learn a little bit, but his frame and his ability is just unmatched. He could be the best player in college basketball, in my honest opinion. His being 6'6", being that shifty as a point guard and getting to the rim that easy is rarely uh, found in today's game. He, I remember uh, the most recent game against Stonehill. He kind of cut in and then did a spin move in the blink of an eye. He missed the layup, but I was just like, wow. I was super impressed by his ability to get to the rim. Nobody can really get in front of him. Again, this competition isn't, you know, the best, but – he reminds me a lot of Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, from Oklahoma City. I'm pretty sure that comparison has been made a bunch. But if, you know, he continues to have a good year, you're looking at a top five pick and a player that is a lot like Shea. Now, for comparison-wise, I like to think that he's way a way more composed Andre Jackson because, you know, we always talked about last year how Jackson's the energizer bunny, you know, how he can go – rebound the basketball, go 90 feet, then he'll go throw the ball off the backboard. 
because he's trying to dunk it on a 13 foot hoop, you know? So, but Castle, Castle went what 95 feet down the floor at the end of the first half with like 13 seconds left or something, just weave through everybody and got the layup. And he did it very composed. You know, he wasn't trying to jump out of the gym. He was just waiting to make his move and get to the bucket, but he definitely has a lot to learn. I mean, so does every other freshman in the country. So that's, that's just going to be a given, you know, he's not going to come in and be the best player in college basketball in his first two games. But I do think that he's, he's really got some serious potential because I heard on the broadcast that Luke Murray and Kamani Young and called him the strongest player on the team when he first got in the gym, when they moved on the campus, which is staying a lot. Cause we got some pretty damn big guys on this team, but I definitely think that Castle has the most potential out of everybody on this team because he's just so athletic, strong, built. You know, he's he's the perfect basketball player. Dare I say a little bit of a LeBron James build. And yeah, and you just watch the games and he just looks different out there. He looks like his skill level is much higher than everyone else's, his own teammates. I mean, obviously, Northern Arizona and Stonehill, but he is just a force. He has that build, like you said. I remember getting a similar vibe from Cade Cunningham back in the day at Oklahoma State. Uh, that's kind of what it reminded me of a little bit. He just is physically just much better than everybody else. He's going to impose his will. Yeah, I feel like his size is the biggest factor because – He's going to be bringing the ball up. He's our point guard. Even if he's not new in 6'5", he's our point guard. I feel like the, some of the front courts we're seeing in these games against Stonehill, I, I don't know the length of their front court, but it's probably around – they probably have a power forward of 6'6". That's our point guard. Just having that, he can rebound the basketball. He had a chase down block, I believe. I mean, just the athleticism is off the charts. I believe it. he could be a top five pick. I mean – you look at who's in the class, the way the, the draft works now is all these G League guys, G League Ignite, there's the there's the international. I feel like there's a chance he could be the first college guy off the board. I really do. I feel like with all the top guys being not, not going to college. And I think we can quickly touch upon the other freshmen. Three of the four were truly in the rotation. Yusuf Singare was not, but I feel like we kind of kind of expected that out of the gate. Solo ball was kind of like, the second guy off the bench, second or third, depending how you look at it. And then Jaden Ross and Jalen Stewart kind of went hand in hand. I feel like they're going to be competing for that backup four position, backup three slash four. I don't think they'll both be in the rotation come like these big games, but I was pretty impressed overall with all of them. So they obviously weren't perfect in their first two games, but there's nothing I really disliked from them. One thing I took from these two games is that I feel like Stewart is definitely going to be that second freshman option, honestly, over ball, in my opinion. I felt like Stewart looked way more comfortable out there. Uh, I mean, he only took two shots in the second game, and the first game he took three. So, I mean, he shot pretty well. He shot two of three the first game, and then, what was it, one of two the second game. So he is, you know, more consistent on his jump shots. Ross put more up, but I feel like Stewart is just more composed. He looks like he's been here before. He doesn't need as much time to get used to the game as I feel like Ross will. So I, I feel like Stewart definitely, you know, that second freshman option that we have. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. You know, Stewart's he's – I feel like he's more composed than guys like Ball and Ross. You know, I, wa- I was watching Ross, and he kind of tried to force 
shots, I feel like, a little bit. But as we got later in the Stonehill game, like that play where he stole the ball and then gave the alley-oop to Stewart was just perfect. But I think that come the time that that a guy like Caravan gets three, four fouls with less than 10 minutes to go in the second half, Stewart's going to be that guy off the bench replacing him. Because, I mean, I I don't – I don't see a world where we run Samson and Klingon at the same time. I just don't see it ever happening. So I feel like Stewart is is going to be the guy to get that call because Ross isn't quite built enough to play the uh, the four position as opposed to Stewart, who is. But I I've like really everybody so far. I'm I can't wait to watch this team once they play tougher competition besides the 362nd ranked out of 362 teams. That comes to town on Tuesday. Yeah, I feel like Jalen Stewart, like you mentioned, the build, he's more of a true like four forward. Ross is more of a wing. Like even you see pregame at like the very beginning of warmups, they separate bigs and guard slash wings. Stewart goes with like Klingon and Johnson, and Ross goes with the other group. And I think that's beneficial to him with the way our rotation is set up because our two centers, like they're never, like we said, they're not, not going to really play with each other. Klingon and Johnson just go in for each other. And I feel like we've seen it a few times in these first few games where like Ross can play the four because he can against Stonehill. I don't know if he can against Creighton or he can against Marquette, but that's where Stewart's going to come in. And another I just thought of this while I'm saying it, a few times we saw no center in there, which uh, another thing because we're playing teams where Caravan's the same size as the opponent's center. But those lineups worked well the few times we did it. We're not going to see it much more often. We might see it a little bit on Tuesday, but you would don't expect to see a small ball that small, at least for Caravan at the five very often. I just want to put one more point about the freshmen. So Hurley said something. I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but I think it was about how he didn't want the freshmen out there at the same time. And that's honestly understandable, especially for guys like Ball and Ross, because they're I what they play AAU together, I believe. So I feel like that's that's kind of smart in a way to not have them out there because they're never going to get better if they just play with each other. You know, put put Stewart out there with a guy like Klingon and then with Newton, who's going to make him better, you know? So I feel like, I feel like not having the freshmen out there at the same time, we should never have more than three freshmen on the floor. Usually maybe two is the max. I, I just, I think that'd be better for, for their development. So I, I definitely agree with Hurley, but some people on Twitter definitely do not. And we've seen this story over and over with Hurley uh, where he doesn't, you know, like to play freshmen as much as, you know, us fans think that they should play. Uh, if you look back to last year, with Caravan and Klingon, Caravan wasn't really supposed to be this great foundational piece that we have. Uh, that was mainly just due to Samson's injury. And Klingon didn't start his first game until Northern Arizona. He got his bench run, but we never really saw Klingon and Sonogo out there at the same time. So, I mean, this isn't anything new. I mean, even if you go all the way back to James Booknight, he wasn't supposed to be the star that he was originally he just kind of came in after his whole legal battle Gaffney didn't play much Diggins didn't play much. like all these guys all these freshmen that we feel should be getting a lot of run you know don't and I feel like we kind of just have to trust him with that because he has taken us much farther than we could have anticipated in this amount of time so I feel like you know you want to see the freshmen but you, you got to trust the carpenter
Yeah, I was curious because obviously we all figured Stefan Castle would start this year. He did. I was curious, when's the last time a true freshman started for UConn on opening night? I had to look back, 2017, Tyler Polly. That lineup, off the top of my head, it was like Altery Gilbert, Antoine Anderson, Terry Larrier, Polly, and Eric Cobb. So that's a it's quite a lineup right there to start the season. But it just shows it's hard to, to play as a freshman right away at UConn. Obviously, this year it's a little different because out of our 12 scholarship players, five of them are freshmen. But Castle's obviously a gift to talent. Ball's up there. Ross Stewart, even Singare, we saw he thinks he's better than the media and the fans are making him out to be. So I'm really excited for this class in the future. It's only been a week. It's going to be, for some of these guys, three or four more years. So looking forward to it. I mean, I hate – I never really want to bash the guys that transfer out of here, and I'm not really necessarily going to, but the guys like – like this is a name that maybe some people won't even remember, like a guy like Javante Brown Ferguson or Rasul Diggins or Corey Floyd, like those guys, they transferred out simply because they didn't want to work. And, you know, the guys who are successful are the guys who want to work. You know, Andre Jackson came here. He was behind, obviously, guys like Paulie Whaley at his position. He grinded his way up to the start to be a draft pick. Hawkins was here behind, not book night. I can't think of who it is right now. But he grinded his way to be a lottery pick. And these guys like Jalen Stewart, I think he's going to turn himself into a draft pick. Same with Solo Ball. They didn't come here expecting to start. You know, Stefan Castle came here probably expecting to start every game of the season. You know, understandable. But these these four-star guys like Ball and Stewart have got, got enough in them to turn themselves into NBA draft picks. And, you know, we've seen what's happened with the guys who transferred. I haven't heard a thing about JBF or Rasul Diggins. I've heard a little about Floyd just because he's saying the Big East, but these guys who stay at UConn to work really, really want it, and they earn their spots in, in the higher level. Yeah, the Javante Brown for Hassan Diara trade will go down as one of the best in program history. But let's move on to a couple of guys we haven't talked about yet. One, Cam Spencer, the only transfer. He He's had an interesting start to his UConn career the first game he only took three shots he kind of like not saying he was nervous but he passed up some looks he went two for three from three he had eight points five assists but he really struggled against Stonehill he went two for ten from deep he was visibly frustrated I saw on Twitter he like smacked a chair he was not happy with his performance he still had 12 points five rebounds six assists but obviously you want to do better for yourself he he was a good portion of our misses from three but I feel like this is just like a short short slump obviously we see the numbers from the past last year at Rutgers and his numbers at Loyola Maryland he's a much better shooter than shooting 20 percent in the game so I'm not worried I'm glad to see that he's upset that he's not doing well if he was just like oh whatever I'd be a little concerned but I'm very confident this is just a short slump oh 100% you know you can tell by by the way he is the way he presents himself. He's a guy who genuinely cares about how he does. You know, he doesn't have social media. You know, he doesn't deal with any of that stuff. He doesn't seem like a guy who's going to blame people for for his mistakes. And I was also happy to see him visibly upset because that's that's how you know a guy cares. You know, if a guy just walks back to the bench, you know, is what it is. It's a game that doesn't matter. That's not a guy I want starting for my national championship caliber team. I want a guy who's going to beat himself up and take 400 shots after that game. You know, I, I just think that he's a great player. 
And the fan base is going to see that soon. You know, we had a lot of hype coming in. Didn't see much of them in Europe because the highlights from that were all screwed up. But I think that this is obviously a short slump. And I'm happy that it's now in the when we're playing bottom 300 teams, you know. So I just I think that people need to not overreact. You know, it's a slump. He's a great player, a great guy. And I think he's going to be ready to show the world that pretty soon. Yeah, I'd almost rather see the two for 10 against Stonehill than the two for three against NAU. I'd rather see him take the shots. If you are if you miss one, don't be afraid to take another, which clearly he wasn't. And he had some good looks. It's not like they were bad shots for Stonehill, just weren't dropping. He had some good looks in the corner, top of the key. But I'm surprised, obviously, I don't know if it's really his playmaking or just he's gotten these assists. I didn't expect five and six assists from him. Obviously, you expect that's going to be Newton and Castle's department, especially in the starting lineup. But I've been overall, if we had to put a grade, I'd say a B minus on Cam Spencer, which isn't isn't bad at all, but certainly room for improvement. Spencer to me looks like a cog of a huge machine. He drags so much attention because people know that he's going to run out there and shoot. If you look at the Stonehill game, there was a possession where Spencer was wide open in the corner for three, and he could have just pulled it, but he swung it out. And then we uh, passed one more time. Pretty sure we found Caravan for a wide open three, nailed it. Um, just moving the ball. Um, that's what we have to do. We have so many lethal shooters that guys are going to have to commit out there to one of them. I mean, Newton, Caravan, or someone like Spencer. We have so many guys that someone's going to have, someone's going to jump out and we're going to have an open shot. So he looks like a fantastic piece to have. Another point I want to make with him and Newton is NDR, who's the veteran presence. You know, we're pretty a young team that we got five freshmen, two sophomores who play a lot. And then the guys like Newton and Spencer, their vision on the court has been insane. I mean, the passes that I've seen them make so far have been fantastic. I mean, I think, was it Spencer who fed Caravan on that dunk? I think so. But their their vision and their veteran presence on the court is exactly what this team needs. You know, like you look at a team like Duke. You know, who's got some very good players, you know, Tyree, Tyrese Proctor, Kyle Filipowski, all those guys. But they're a very young, inexperienced team. We've got our great young guys. Obviously, a team needs young guys, but teams also need the older guys. So that's why I'm happy that we got Spencer in a fifth year and Newton decided to stay around in the fifth year because we need those older guys. But they've done they've done a great job so far, both of them, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Duke. I'm going to do a quick little side rant. Obviously, we saw they played Arizona. At home on Friday, they lost, but it's a big nuts. I think number 12 versus number two or whatever it is. I, I really want UConn to have a home game like that. Obviously not this year because we get Stonehill and Mississippi Valley State and Arkansas Pine Bluff, Manhattan, the list goes on. I I feel like we, not that we got screwed out of a, a marquee non-conference home game, but it's just kind of sucks that there's there's no real good opponent coming to UConn until two days before Christmas, St. John's on December 23rd. Not, I mean, obviously we have a bunch of games at MSG beforehand that it's going to be bleed blue all throughout, but it'd be cool to see a, a program like a top 10 team come to stores or even XL. I don't really care where, just just to get that home experience against the top team when we're a top team. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. You know, you're seeing all these these big games. We have big games, and that's that's no doubt. I mean, we've got the we've got the Jimmy V where we play North Carolina. We've got the home-and-home home against Gonzaga. 
Um, we've got Kansas on the road, but I, I agree. I'd love to see a top team come in to Gamble Pavilion, especially for the students' sake. I mean, we're we're used to seeing the same team. I mean, we've this is Stonehill for the second time, UNH for the second time in four years, and then I've never heard of some of the other schools play. So it's just it sucks to see that there's these these huge games, and then we've just got teams that we could beat with our walk-ons in the starting lineup, you know? So I, I agree. I'd love to see a, a big-name program come into Gamble Pavilion at some point in the next couple of years. Yeah, all these neutral site games are taking over the sport. Like, the biggest game on Tuesday this past week was number 20, Baylor versus Auburn. That game was in South Dakota. So it's it's just it's I don't understand. I mean this is not this is a side rant. We're gonna move on in a second. But like the, the Gonzaga series, how instead of playing at MSG in Seattle, I'd I'd be fine going to Spokane if I'm the Huskies if they come to Gamble. I mean, I don't I just feel like it's I don't I don't get it. We're just gonna move on. We haven't really talked too much about Tristan Newton. We mentioned him in passing a couple of times, but he had some pretty good games, especially against Stonehill. He made a bunch of threes. He finished with a team high, 22 points, one off his UConn high. And like, I, like a few of us mentioned, we had him as our, his, our team MVP for this year. Cause he's going to take up a larger scoring role. I definitely see the flashes of that. He's not with castle. He doesn't have to, he can play off the ball more, which he has been doing. He's still getting his assists. He had five steals against Stonehill. I mean, Tristan Newton is a guy. He's kind of the X factor of this team. We mentioned like the St. John's game last year. He had some rough games where he went scoreless in that one. I don't envision any scoreless outings from Tristan Newton at all this season. I feel like he's, even though he was a senior last year, he's a grad this year. I still feel like he's matured a bunch since then. And he's a very, very crucial cog. And another guy I guess we could quickly talk about before the last guy who I really want to get into. We can get into Asandiar real quick. He there's not much to say. He just does his role. He scores a couple of points, gets a couple of assists, plays good defense for his 10 to 15 minutes off the bench. He's going to be important, especially in these bigger non-conference games, because our bench is pretty much outside of the center, Samson. It's it's Hassan and freshman. So you're going to need the veteran like Diara to guard some of these guys. And you're more comfortable going to him, even if he doesn't provide too much on the offensive end. The defense certainly makes up for it. And finally, the guy who surprised us the most, I feel like I could say, speaking for you guys, Slamson Johnson, eight dunks in the first two games. He's shooting, what, 82% on the season? I mean, we all knew. I remember, Andrew, you said there's a question mark exclamation point, that emoji next to his name going into the year. We don't know what we're getting. Well, this is what we're – if this is what we're getting – I've heard people say this duo, Klingon and Samson, could be better than last year, Sonogo and Klingon, which there's reasoning for it. I, don't, I mean, this isn't my claim. I've seen it. I can I can back it up after you guys talk, but I, I feel like there's certainly a chance that could be the case. Well, I mean, I want to point out one thing in particular, and it's that specific play against Stonehill when he first came in. He got the insane block, and then he sprinted his ass right back up the court, and caught a pass inside and absolutely slammed it. And that's just, I mean, that's a hustle play. You don't see a lot of guys doing that, you know, especially in this day in aging college basketball, you know, the guy gets a block, they're going to go like this or something like that, start pounding their chest, something like that. And then they'll be late back to the play. Samson doesn't give a damn about any of that. He made the play and he busted his ass back up the court and then made a great play inside. So that's what I love to see. 
I mean, I'm not I'm not being an old head here and saying that celebrating isn't cool. Obviously, it is. But I really like seeing him make these hustle plays because I think we need somebody to do that because, you know, Klingon obviously isn't that fast up the court. And Samson's got legs that are probably taller than I am. So I, I just I really like seeing him hustle up the court and make those plays. Yeah, Samson brings a kind of identity to this front court that we haven't had in a little bit which is just someone who's super athletic who can go up there and catch almost any lob. And, you know, even if he needs to, he could step back and hit a three. We haven't seen any of that so far, but I I, I don't know if it would be better than the front court last year. I mean, we didn't really see much of Sonogo and Klingon uh, together, which I really wanted to see, just uh, slap Sonogo at the four. But I feel like they are more dynamic. They can do more this year. There's more going on. Um and it's going to cause fits for opponents. I, I don't see where you kind of step out. They're both crazy tall. It, it's just going to create matchup nightmares for everybody. Yeah, you said it with the matchup nightmares. I feel like I said they could this duo could be better than last year's duo. I'll kind of explain what I think the reasoning is, at least. Obviously, I feel like everyone's saying Klingon this year will be better than Sonogo last year. And Samson will be at least as good as Klingon was last year off the bench, which I can certainly see that as of now. There's no reason to compare them. I feel like that could only just start controversy or drama. I mean, it's I, I'm I, I'm just surprised it took this long for Samson to get on the court. Obviously, he was hurt last year and didn't really get a spot, but we've had this guy in our in our hands. Obviously, he was a starter last year. We know we know he's capable, but he didn't. Once he was healthy in around January, he wasn't in the rotation really at all. But I mean, obviously, we saved him. Luckily, he stayed with us. I mean, imagine a guy with that talent decides, like Rasul Diggins, who was in his same class, I'm gone after one year. If we lose that, I mean, I'm just happy he stayed. I'm sure he's happy he stayed because of what he's doing now. We only need him. Actually, that's a lie. I was going to say we only need him 15 minutes a game. I feel like him and Klingon are going to be kind of half and half with the center minutes, especially early on. Klingon hasn't played more than 15. He probably won't this next game either. He might. We could sit Klingon and win by 40. But, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how that minute distribution is set up. Like we said, I don't think they'll play together much. It'll probably be maybe Klingon 22, Samson 18, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, yeah, uh, this next game against Mississippi Valley State, I guess it is, it's going to be a weird one. Like, I feel like we're, we're going to see a lot of Samson really see what he can do. I don't think he's going to necessarily sit Klingon, but I feel like this is going to be a game where we really see Samson play a lot because I, I don't think it would be smart to leave our starters out there for a long time because this is just, I mean, for God's sakes, we're not DePaul. We're not going to lose to whoever they lost to but it's i mean aren't they ranked 362nd out of 362 like aren't they the bottom of the barrel like is that right connor yeah i'm yeah. ken so Tom, I just, which I is the like, site i use mm-hmm. yeah i i just don't i don't know i don't feel like we should play our starters that much i feel like it's just asking for a stupid injury to happen because you know they're going to want to do cool stuff like these ridiculous dunks and stuff like that. But I think I think this is going to be the real Samson breakout game where he could go for 15 points. Yeah, I forgot to mention with Klingon. Then we'll move on to a very, very brief preview of the next game. Klingon's taken a three in each of the first two games. Neither have fallen, but 
he has the confidence to take that shot. We see in warm-ups he can make it. Obviously, I'm I'm content with him only taking the one, even if he hits it. I don't want him to start jacking him up. Like we saw not Snowgo didn't jack him up last year, but he like he would even if he made one or two, he wouldn't take like four or five. Obviously, I think of the final four where he made two in the first like three minutes of the game. Imagine Klingon does that. That'd be crazy. But yeah, I'm happy to see. Obviously, for him, for his game, for the NBA, even though he's 7'2", 7'2", 7'3", guys are shooting the ball. Look at Porzingis. Look at Victor Wembanyama. Not comparing Klingon to those two guys. He's kind of similar to Porzingis, I guess. But I, I think it's important that he takes the three ball, even if it's one a game in these. Maybe take two or three against Mississippi Valley State just to see if one falls. See one through. Maybe it'll start a hot streak. But, yeah, I'm glad he's taking him. Before we preview the next game, I just want to give a shout out. And Connor, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder here because this is your school, but shout out Richie Springs, man. I'm so happy to see him hoop. I think he got player of the game in his first game for Quinnipiac. I'm so happy to see him doing well because he's just the guy that you can never hate. I mean, he stayed here for four years. He is a he is a national champion. There's no doubt in that. He is a national champion. He is the definition of a true husky. And I'm just I'm so happy to see him playing well. I hope I hope he averages 45 points this year for Quinnipiac. I'm just I'm real thrilled to see him doing well. Yeah, I was at I go to Quinnipiac. I was at the game against CCSU. We came off the bench. It's what he's done the past few games. They have a Quinnipiac starting center as a captain, so he's probably going to start. But Richie, he played more minutes than him last game. He had 13 and 10. He he's taken some threes. I don't think he's hit one yet, but. You see, he had a couple of nice finger rolls inside, like getting to the paint, little kind of jelly action. I mean, he's, I'm just happy. Like he says it too. He's happy to finally show his skills off and he's a decent player. I feel like he's a guy that could potentially average a double, double in the Mac, but but we'll have a full dedicated episode, maybe a few weeks from now, once there's more stats talking about all of the former Huskies, like a Javante Brown, I think, I don't even know if he's still in college basketball. He's not a Texas a and I, I don't know, but We'll have a future episode about that. But, yeah, Richie Springs definitely – he's definitely been solid so far for the Bobcats. But let's move on. Mississippi Valley State, we've mentioned they're 362 out of 362. You look at Kempom, they're the worst offensive team in college basketball. But credit their defense, they're only 360. There are two teams worse than them at defense. But I was looking because I know they're historically, or at least in the past decade or so, a bad program. We had 31 wins last year. They have won 29 since 2016. So, yeah, this obviously not worried about this one too much. But I think we, we can do some players to watch now that we've seen. We've seen a couple of games, seen what guys bring to the table. You guys want to give some players to watch for this one? Yeah, I'll I'll start and a little quick Google search just told me that Javante Brown Ferguson is at Western Kentucky, excuse me, Western Michigan. So oh good for him. But my guy to watch for this one, I'm telling you, Samson. I'm sticking with Samson. He's gonna be the guy that goes off because I don't see Klingon playing a lot. I don't think Caravan's gonna really I don't know. I don't wanna say he's not gonna do well, but I feel like he's not gonna be like looking for to hit seven or 85 threes. So I think Samson Samson's going to be that guy for the game against the bottom of the barrel devils. 
I'm going to go with Cam Spencer uh, just because I'd love to see him, you know, get a little more consistent on his threes, you know, get more points up there. So, you know, with the player that he really is, I guarantee you he's it's all he's been practicing <laughs> this week. I can guarantee, you, you know, just getting more shots up every day and, you know, because you don't want to repeat these performances. So I'm going to go with him. I think he has a big game. You stole Cam from me. I agree. I feel like he's, he's due. But I'm going to go solo ball. I feel like the consensus was it's Castle then it's ball, then it's the others going into the season, especially looking at like the rankings. He's the second highest freshman. He's He hasn't been incredible so far. He's had solid games. He had seven points last game. I feel like he can maybe sneak into double digits, especially if he gets more minutes because we don't need Tristan Newton to play 26 minutes like he did or Cam to play 27 minutes like he did against Stonehill. I just don't see that being the case. I know obviously we mentioned we're going to see more freshmen in these first few games, it, it kind of hasn't been the case. I feel like this game is going to be the exception against such a core opponent. And I hope there's no Mississippi Valley State fans that are checking out our preview to see what we're saying because we are not being kind. But obviously, in the, in the first episode, we did the little will UConn cover. I feel like I'm the only one who said they would, and they did. So I'll take a point there. But there's no line yet for this one because it's a couple of days out as opposed to the day before. I wouldn't be shocked if it's like UConn minus 45 at least. And They're going to cover be, it. Whatever it is, uh, yeah, they'll cover it. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they covered it. Like, I mean, I'm surprised they even won by 40 against Stonehill. I expect that to be in the 30, like low, high 20s, 30 range, kind of like NAU. But – yeah, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for this game because it's the last one before we get some real games. Hopefully two real games and not one real game. Hopefully we don't play Louisville at MSG because they are they are bad. They lost to Chattanooga at home already this year. Yeah, it's ugly for Louisville. So hopefully we beat Indiana and Texas takes care of business versus Louisville. But we're going to have a preview for the Empire Classic later this week, a proper one. So we're not going to get into that now. And unless you guys have anything else, I think we're – we're done here. I mean, we've seen two games. The teams look solid, but you got something, Andrew, before we wrap up? One last thing. So being back in basketball season means that I'm going to keep coming up with my stupid uh, UConn Twitter moment kind of thing for these two games, and I spend way too much time on there. But that's besides the fact. And this tweet is going to come from Mr. Hotballs, and I believe I sent it to our group chat, but it's – it's something like our offense is basically give the ball to Klingon and have fun figuring that shit out, which is basically true. But I feel like that's not going to fly once we play. Like once we get to to the um, the Empire Classic, I don't think that's going to fly. We're not just going to be able to give the ball to him and he's just going to put it in because we're going to play centers like like Baycott, Dickinson, Kalkbrenner, Soriano, guys like that, even though Soriano's undersized. But I just – I feel like Klingon should be using this time to get as much points as possible. Um, really just maybe try some new techniques that he can use against the other guys. But I do think it's pretty funny watching him just post up and literally him being able to just put the ball in the net. But I, I just thought that was funny. Yeah, versus NAU, obviously we knew that was certainly a minutes restriction for him. And he played probably three minutes before going to the bench. He had eight or nine touches down low in those three minutes. So that the game plan obviously was Klingon's on the floor. We're not going to waste his time with coming back from the foot injury. We're not going to have him just do cardio. We're going to have him get going, and he did get going. And I feel like he'll be pretty close to I, – I don't know. He probably is fully healthy now, honestly. But he'll probably certainly be fully healthy a week from today when they play Indiana. 
And yeah, I think that'll just about do it here. Episode 44. I know I mentioned we would do one in between the last two games. We didn't. I can guarantee we will do one between Mississippi Valley State and the Empire Classic. I'm not going to lie to you guys again. But we just felt like we could combine the NAU and Stonehill games. They weren't, weren't, wasn't too much to talk about. But at the same time, there was. But yeah, you can look for another episode later this week. Hope you enjoyed this one. And thanks for watching.